Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor G. If you are new with us, Pastor G spoke last week a great word in our series called Advent, where we've been talking about the arrival, preparing ourselves with these four words. We started the whole Advent series. Where is it? There it is. We started the whole series with hope, and so that's why it's so small. We've been lighting it every week. Um, and then we went to the word and the gift joy. Joy. Let's try that again. You'll get to light your candle in a moment. And then last week, Pastor G spoke on peace. Beautiful message on peace. And today, we are finishing, and really, this week, this is the week of love. Love is an easier one to talk about Christmas season because we love love. We love the idea of love, the concept of love, the feeling of love, the songs of love. Scripture will say, and we'll read it momentarily, God is love. The idea of love and Christmas really go hand in hand. And when I think of Christmas, I have a lot of thoughts I have a lot of memories. Maybe you have memories. Maybe your kids. Even while I was greeting, one child was like, we're going to California. I get to open presents. They're all excited. We did some of ours last night, Christmas Eve, because we do that. And so if you don't, I apologize. But uh, we want to focus on Jesus on Christmas. No, uh, we just, we have older kids. It's like, let's just do this. Let's make this happen. The joy, the peace, the hope, the love of giving of expressing that love and of welcoming that love with the true Christmas story is a really beautiful thing. I wanna read for our text today. We're gonna read a few texts, but I wanna start in the book of Luke, a very familiar text for this time. And it goes like this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, when you hear that, I'm sure especially if you maybe you grew up in church or maybe you saw the little pageants and the kids, you know, all saying their thing and the, the shepherds singing and rejoicing and the angel coming down, a little kid in a pageant or play expressing these words. Of course, we do attribute them to Christmas. But what's interesting about this is the first response The first thing that came Christmas wasn't necessarily love and excitement, but actually fear. Fear was exposed as God came near to man. 
And it's, it's very interesting because we think of joy and peace and we think of caroling. Maybe you went and saw lights or have done a lot of traveling and done different things during Christmas time. We don't necessarily equate it with fear, but the first thing we see is actually these shepherds astonished and afraid. It, it's interesting because this, this word here in the Greek is that they were filled with great fear. In fact, the Greek used double words. It's phobeo, phobos, fear, fear. It actually means when the glory of the Lord came, they feared with great fear. There was something about the presence of God and the angels and the heavenly hosts that the shepherds from a dark place, when light came, fear started. Now, it's interesting because if you read other passages in scripture, you get an idea physically why they would be afraid. Now, there's a picture I have of, of what some actually render as angels really look like according to scripture. And it looks like this, not this. It, it, the, the picture and the depiction of an angel would have been astonishing. Not a little fat baby with, with wings. You're like, oh, that's cute. But this, because angels have a very descriptive way about them. Angel actually means messenger. So we think angel, we think fat baby with wings, but this is actually the picture. So it's not this beautiful picture. It actually would astonish you. It would, it would make you very afraid. I remember when my son Addison was young and he first saw a picture, I think of angels on the internet. He was like, dad, this is freaky. I'm really scared of these angels. He's still scared, but he was scared of space growing up. So, because it's a scary thing. There's so much fear in the world, especially of the unknown. So imagine the shepherds are doing their work. They're the lowest of the low. And all of a sudden, an angel appears. There would be a physical fear. Here's, here's what Ezekiel says about angels. And as for their appearance, the four had the same likeness as if of a wheel were within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of the four directions without turning as they went. But in whatever direction the front wheel faced, the other followed without turning as they went. And their whole body, their rims and their spokes, you didn't know angels had rims, that's what I'm talking about. Their wings and their wheels were full of eyes all around. The wheels that the four of them had, as for the wheels... They were called, in my hearing, the whirling wheels. And every one had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub. The second face of a human face. The third face of a lion. And the fourth, the face of an eagle. This would really knock you off. And this is why any time God came or an angel came, people worshipped. And this is why the angel had to say, fear not. But I want to tell you, this is not the only reason. Not just the physical presence, but when light is shown in darkness, it exposes us, and our first reaction is actually fear. Because the idea that I am exposed, the idea that you can see every part of me inside and out, the idea that someone would know me because the light is shine on me, brings great fear. 
In fact, many of you, your worst fear would be standing where I am talking to multiple people because the light is on you and you might say something dumb that would end up on YouTube. This fear that we live in is very, very tangible. And honestly, it makes the Christmas story very real. Not the depiction of just this beautiful thing and the the baby in the manger and it all looks pretty and pristine. It was actually dirty and filthy. And yet that's the beauty of it, that the God of all creation came into that, into mess. This is the good news of Christmas. But it's interesting, it didn't start with love and beauty and excellence and the perfect rhyming song with harmony abounding. It came with fear, but the angels said, fear not. Why did they say that? John, the apostle John wrote in 1 John 4, he says this, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18, for there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I have one point in the message today And it's this idea. Grasping Christmas makes you fearless. Do we have any kids that can say that? Grasping Christmas. Come on, kids. Grasping Christmas. Come on, adults. Grasping Christmas makes you fearless. I want you to remember that. Because when God comes near and exposes and the light opens the darkness, We can either come to the light or we hide in the darkness. In fact, Adam and Eve were created in the book of Genesis, and it said they were clothed with the glory of God, the presence of God. But when they decided to go their own way and do their own thing, it's interesting. The first thing that happened was fear entered into their life. Just like us, fear comes in in a number of ways, and what did they do? They hid, and then they created a wrapping of themselves. They wrapped themselves in 
bushes and twigs and other things in order to cover themselves. And we still do this to this day. We wrap ourselves in all sorts of things because we are afraid to be exposed. What are we afraid of? Because when we really grasp the Christmas story, we'll hear the words, fear not. But fear plagues us all. First of all, the fear of rejection. I've read a lot and heard a lot. People are talking a lot about a common phrase. It's been around a long time, but the idea of an imposter syndrome. If you've never heard this, it's the idea that you look competent at what you're doing, but you are deathly afraid someone is going to find out you really don't know what you're doing. And so many of us walk and just cover ourselves in our own accolades or our work or make ourselves look better than we are because we're so afraid, really, of rejection. This fear of rejection can plague us to make us be someone we are not. But it's all clouded in fear because I don't want the light to come near. Another fear, fear of failure. This one's close, but it's not quite the same thing. This fear of failure is the voice that you might hear all the time that says this, you're getting behind. You're getting behind. You can look at like other areas of your life where you're doing okay, but then there's this voice voice that says, yeah, but what about this area? It could all fall. You're getting behind. The perfectionist struggles with this one. Because you have to display yourself and show yourself in a certain way. But this fear is I'm not enough. I'm not going to have enough. And you can never truly rest. And Christmas is a time when you grasp it to enter into the rest of God. What about this fear? Not only rejection, failure, but there's this fear of the future. This fear can just gnaw at us. See, the Bible tells us that the reason why this fear gnaws at us is because it's not just symptomatic. There's a root to this. We're really afraid and we think ill of, badly of, don't trust God at the root of our existence. We say to ourselves, if, if I completely give myself to God, if I completely just go after God, it's going to cost me too much and I might lose something. It's that, that FOMO, fear of missing out. So like if we do like altar calls or we talk to people, hey, give your life to Christ because all he, he's got great things for you. And you, you kind of weigh the cost. Is this worth it? Am I gonna be weird? Is God gonna send me to some foreign country and make me work for him? And we start weighing the cost, the fear of the future, and we go, is it really worth it? So we come in and give half, or we give a part, because really we fear the future because we want to control the future. Not only do we have a fear of rejection, fear of failure, and the fear of the future, these fears, these phobias, blind us to the truth. You ever been asleep and someone turned the lights on really quick and it hurts your eyes? The light can hurt at first, but it's meant to wake you up. 
It's meant to open up your life to a new, joyful, hopeful, peaceful, loving relationship with God, with people, with creation, with your work, with your wife, with your wealth, all the W's. It's supposed to expose that, but the problem is our great fear comes in. And you might say, no, no, that's not my experience. When I first met God, I was just elated. And I would say, that's good and I hope so. But there has to be some. If you really meet God, like the shepherds, you really have the glory and weight. That's what glory means, the weightiness of God. You really have that. You're going to experience a little bit of fear, especially right away. Isaiah, when he got near to God, he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. When Job got near God, you can read it, he says, I despise myself, I see myself and I repent in dust and ashes. When Peter got near Jesus, he said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. The elation, the love, the peace, yes, but that starts with a fear because we are exposed. And we all know some of us don't like people getting too close to us because we're afraid they're gonna know us and then use that against us because we've been hurt before. So we hide, we suppress. What's the solution? Well, the angels said it best, fear not. But they didn't just stop there. Don't be afraid while you're looking at this figure going, what? And then they start singing. You're like, what is going on? Fear not for behold. And then here's the message of Christmas, the good news. Here's why you don't fear. I want you to look. Behold means to look at something else. What do you behold? Here's what they said. Fear not for behold. I bring you good news, tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. What, what is that? For unto you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And what's interesting, there's, there's two parts to this. And if you get a hold of it, you grasp it, you'll be fearless. Here's the first one. He says, born a savior. This tells us that the first part of this good news is that someone has come to be a savior. He's born a savior. He's not a savior in becoming it, but he's born a savior. Philippians 2 tells us that even through Jesus Christ, and even though, excuse me, he was God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be held onto or grasped, but he emptied himself and became a servant, and he lived an obedient life, and he died on a cross. Why did he come down? Why did he become a man? He came down and became a man. He became the Savior, and he was born the Savior to live a perfect life and die the death for us in my place, in your place, taking on the punishment that we deserve from doing good deeds. And, and he did those good deeds and then imputed them or placed them on us. He transferred them to us. So God now accepts us for his sake, 
This is the story of Christmas. So if you are a perfectionist and you're afraid of failure, Jesus' standards are so much above yours. When you're saying, I'm getting behind, I'm getting behind, let me say this. Jesus' standards are even higher than yours. They're absolute perfection. Jesus says this, you know, deep down inside, you're this perfectionist and you know you should be perfect, but you'll never ever be able to rest until you know that you are. So you are doomed forever. You're never going to be perfect. And the answer is this, you have to receive Christ as your savior. And in God's sight, you are perfected in Christ. That's the gospel. Or you'll never overcome your fear until you're fully resting in him. How do you get rid of rejection and the fear that comes with rejection? You're always afraid someone's gonna look and see you. But the, the, the gospel message is God has already seen you. He looks down, he sees you, he knows what you've done, who you are, and where you're going. He knows that you are going to say something dumb down the line, you're gonna do something dumb down the line, and yet he still looks at you, and if you put your trust and faith and hope and behold Jesus... He looks at you in the same manner so that you can rest. And as you rest and see your identity in him, it's amazing how your actions start to follow your identity. You'll never really be able to deal with that fear and that rejection without a savior born from above. So the answer to fear not is to behold Jesus to remember Jesus, not just to get through the holidays and go through all the things, but to really reflect and remember. And as you remember, you start to worship as well because you go, I don't have to be afraid of rejection. I don't have to be afraid of failure. I don't even have to be afraid of the future because you hold me in the palm of your hand because you came, lived the life I should have lived, died the death I should have died in my place for me to be accepted by you. I want you to check out this video in the name of Jesus. What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, brought from the infant earth. One arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man. And as heaven waited short with breath, the creator spoke yet another, Eve, mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nations, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, as the universe gasped into being, flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void 
to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves. When we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor. God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. He who took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul? Renown? our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting father, our prince of peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the great I am. What name could contain the word of life, the light of the world, the king of kings, the Lord of all. We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. What name could contain such a glory? What name but Jesus? We cry Jesus. We cry holy is